everybody. Welcome to The Way R122 Ministry Live, The Way Radio Live. This is Pastor Chad, and today is Sunday, May 1st, 10,022. Uh, today we continue on the topic of battling depression. So today's message is battling depression, part five, and it's going to be looking at uh, Psalm 51. So let's pray, and we will get into today's message. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to gather here once again, uh, brothers and sisters at a distance, uh, being able to gather together to spend time in fellowship, to learn of you, to hear from your word. And Lord, I just ask that you would open our hearts and our minds and our spirits to the beauty and the power and the mystery uh, of your word, that you would bless us with calm and peace and joy through it. Uh, and Lord, those that are suffering with depression, I think we all go through it at times, uh, some more than others. I pray that uh, this message would be uplifting, uh, that it would provide that lightness and that joy that only comes through you. And we just thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So this uh, will be formally the last part of the Battling Depression series. I'm sure it's a topic that I'll probably address again. Um, off and on going forward because it seems like something that is uh, increasing uh, in society right now with all the things that we're dealing with in the world. Um, we just hearing hear more and more about the prevalence of depression and the things related to it in society. So I think it's a topic that we will continue to address uh, going forward. Uh, Socrates said that the unexamined life is not worth living. And I would agree with him. Christianity is largely life examined, a life lived mindfully, a life lived purposefully, purposefully, sorry, a life lived with meaning, a life of contemplation and meditation. The dark side knows this and does a very good job of filling the world with distractions, temptations, hectic busyness, amusements and technology in an effort to keep us from being still and communing with the Lord. In the modern age especially, we must reject the distractions and trappings of the world, become contradictions to it, and shine with the light of Christ. Philippians 4, 8 through 9 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. We must slow down, be still, and consider the things of God. By looking in, we live out our lives. But we must have some guide and direction, some measure of truth to follow. And that is only found in Christ and his word. Psalm 119.105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. As the world stumbles along in the dark, what a blessing it is for believers to have our path laid out and lit before us, to know why we walk and where our path is leading. As we consider the topic of battling depression and what we can learn from Psalm 51 in relation to it, consider that even if we are not suffering under the lash of conviction, have not committed a terrible sin, 
contemplating the blessing of repentance through God's grace and mercy, his forgiveness and love is a wonderful way to soothe our souls and lift our spirits. Psalm 51 is a psalm of repentance and a cry for restoration, a pleading with the Lord for the two things every human being needs, reconciliation and transformation. There is no peace with God until we are reconciled to him. And through that reconciliation, we are transformed from death to life, from being depressed in spirit to raised up in joy. Repentance is a complete change of who we are. It is changing our minds, the direction of our lives, a turning from sin to Christ. Coming to Christ and conversion is our first turning in repentance. And our walking with Christ is a continual turning in repentance. Repentance. Repentance is a continual part of the Christian life as we are sanctified and conformed to the image of Christ. If we are suffering in depression, it is a blessing to consider that it is something we can repent of, can turn away from if we bring the burden of it to the Lord who cares for and loves us and desires to see us experiencing his peace and joy. Psalm 55, 22 says, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Psalm 51 is a beautiful and powerful rendering of what it is to come to the Lord, calling on his name for forgiveness, for cleansing, for renewal. After being convicted of the severity severity of his sin, after going into Bathsheba and the sin that followed, David pleads to the Lord, create in me a clean heart, O God. This psalm is a great blessing and helps us to see and understand what it is to turn to the Lord for forgiveness. We call on the name of Jesus Christ for salvation as one condemned and hopeless. We also call on him for sanctification, for strength. It is a constant calling and looking to him. This psalm is the brightest gem in the whole book and contains instructions so large and doctrines so precious that the tongue of angels could not do justice to the full development. That's a quote from Victor Victorinius Strigelius. So let's just go through. Psalm 51. And I'm not going into it in a lot of really deep, I'm not digging it apart theologically. I'm just looking at it as uh, as a blessing, as the blessing that it is to lift our spirits and to show us the importance of examining ourselves, living lives uh, of examination and paying attention to where we are in our walk with Christ. And if we go through times of darkness, if we're in a valley of despondency or depression, to see the value of meditating on a psalm like Psalm 51. Psalm 51.1 says, To the choir master, a psalm of David when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Nathan the prophet confronts David in 2 Samuel 12. 7 through 10. So we'll get a little bit of backstory here. 2 Samuel 12, 7 through 10 says, Nathan said to David, you are the man. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you out of the hand of Saul. And I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your arms and gave you the house of Israel and of Judah. And if this were too little, I would add to you as much more. Why have you despised the word of the Lord to do what is evil in his sight? 
You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and have taken his wife to be your wife and had killed him with and have killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, ver now therefore, the, sh the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. The first words out of David's mouth after being confronted and convicted of his sin, he says, have mercy on me, O God according to your steadfast love. Mercy is what a sinner needs above everything because we have sinned against a perfect, just, and holy God and have no defense or case to plead. We are at the mercy of God who holds our eternity in his hands. Notice that David does not plead for mercy based on his own merit or virtues, but instead he pleads to God for mercy based on God's own steadfast love and abundant mercy. Verses two through four say, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. He says, against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. David's sin was terrible to consider. He committed adultery and followed it up with murder. He brought harm to people created by God, but we see here that he clearly understands that his sins were ultimately against God. Verse 5 continues, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Here we come across one of the most divisive points of Christian doctrine, human depravity. The Arminians mostly reject it, and the Calvinists often seem to dwell on it. To me personally, the topic of depravity seems to become burdensome and taint some of the joy we have in Christ because it is constantly harped on and brought into discussion in Reformed circles. I believe it is a topic we must understand and accept because it is a biblical truth, and it is part of the gospel message, but it does not need to be a constant point of discussion and topic of debate. David clearly understood that his human nature was completely depraved. He was conceived and born in iniquity. He knew that his very nature was contrary to and in rebellion against God. Every aspect of his being was corrupted and affected by sin. David understood and accepted this. He knew this to be true. Verse 6 continues, Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. In contrast to human depravity, we see here what God delights in, truth in the inward being. The inward being, our heart, the core of who we are. God blesses us with his truth. He enables us to abide in it and for it to abide in us, and he delights in us for it. You teach me wisdom in the secret heart. It's not the inward being, the secret heart, what the world strives to figure out and fix. When we consider the truth of the human condition from a biblical perspective, it seems the reason that psychology and psychiatry, recovery programs, etc. never seem capable of completely overcoming the issues brought about by the human condition is that they work from the notion that the answers are inside of us and the solution is to dig inside, expose the problem, and discover the solution. They are half right. The problem is inside of us, but the answer is not. The answer is outside of us, and it's beyond us. 
I am not disregarding the potential benefits of speaking with a psychologist or psychiatrist. Talking with someone about our issues and problems can be beneficial and help us work through the damage of sin in our lives. The point I'm making is that we will never get to the core of what causes depression, anxiety, anger, fear, addiction, all that haunts the human race until we understand that it all goes back to sin in some way. Consider how profound and how comforting this verse is. God delights in our possessing truth in our inner being, and he teaches us the wisdom that is that truth. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Verses 7-9 through continue, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. By the blood of Christ, the stain and filth of sin are washed completely away without even a hint remaining. Let me hear joy and gladness. Archibald Simpson says, as a Christian is the most sorrowful man in the world, so there is none more glad than he, for the cause of his joy is greatest. In respect, his misery was greatest, his delivery greatest, therefore his joy greatest. In verses 10 and 12, David says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Not a repaired heart, not a restored heart. The creator creates in us a new clean heart and the spirit that was cast down and depressed is renewed and made right by the same power that created and sustains all things. This is a promise from the Lord as we read in Ezekiel 36, 26. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. He says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Is this not what a believer in the mire of depression has seemed to have lost? This is why it is so important for believers to preach the gospel to themselves, to meditate on the gospel, because through it we will be blessed with the restoration of the joy of the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. In Revelation 2, verses 4 through 5, the Lord says, But I have, I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love that you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. This is addressed to the church in Ephesus, but does it not seem applicable to a believer who is depressed and feeling separated from the Lord? As if our lampstand has gone out and we cannot see the light of Christ? We must go back to that simple and perfect love we have had, the perfect love we had when we first believed. Return to the simple and perfect works we did from hearts full of joy and gratitude when we first experienced the joy of our salvation. On a side note, I would say that that part of the sermon especially really meant a lot to me because that verse really helped wake me up a couple of years ago. I was so, uh, I was in a very dark place 
uh, as far as ministry, I was tired of the constant bickering and the debate and the attacks. And I was just uh, disgusted by what went, went on uh, in social media in the name of Christianity, especially on Facebook. And I remember reading that in the book of Revelation. And I thought, I just need to simplify and get back to a simple childlike faith and turn away from all this of what modern Christianity has so much become. And I can tell you that has been a great blessing to me. If you look now about the only thing I, I post anymore on Facebook is sermons uh, and the podcast and, and artwork that I love. I do not engage in what I call social media Christianity because it's just, uh, just something about it, at least for me, just became so toxic and I just became, it became so distasteful. And this verse really helped me to see that. So maybe that will help you if you find yourself constantly just engaged in debate and seeing uh, just this corruption that, that just seems to permeate from social media and infects so much of Christianity on there. Just my opinion. David continues in verses 14 and 15. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from, from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation. And my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. The Christian life is a life of giving, of sharing what we have been blessed with. It is a life of gratitude and praise. A depressed spirit cannot last in such an environment. And he closes with verses 16 and 17. For you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. There are two types of repentance. Attrition is what we might call worldly repentance, a repenting in order to avoid consequences or punishment, looking for a way out of hell in both a figurative and literal sense. This is where the recovery industry, humanistic psychology and psychiatry, and self-help programs reside. Contrition is true and godly repentance. It is genuine and includes deep remorse for having sinned against and offending and offending God. There are no attempts to excuse or justify our sin. We are resolved to turn away from our sin. It comes about by the power of the Holy Spirit through the message of the gospel. 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. Worldly grief and depression are increasing like a plague. We see the evidence of it in the skyrocketing statistics of suicide, addiction, abuse, crime, etc. If depression stems from worldly grief and what has been lost from a worldly context, from the consequences and conditions of this world, without any consideration of it from a godly perspective, then there is no final solution to it, only temporary fixes. But if depression stems from godly grief and is considered from a godly perspective, if our condition has broken our spirit and our heart because of how it affects our relationship with the Lord, then we are blessed with an eternal solution in Jesus Christ. 1 John 1, 8-9 tells us, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And David closes with verses 18 and 19. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. 
Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in right sacrifices, in burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bowls will be offered on your altar. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for your word today. And I pray that we would uh, be strengthened by it, that we would take the time to step out of the world, uh, to not be drugged down into the darkness and the confusion and the chaos and the evil of this world, but that we would abide in you and in your light and in your word, that you would sustain us and give us a strength far beyond our own uh, to persevere in this world. Uh, and for those that are depressed, Lord, I just lift them up in prayer. I pray that you would strengthen them, comfort them, nourish them, edify them, and that they would look to you and that they would shine gloriously in your light. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, folks, I hope this series has been a blessing for anybody that's struggling with depression. One point I do want to make is I don't feel like there's any silver bullet in overcoming it. I think it is, like I said in one of the sermons, just part of humanity is uh, we go through times of uh, being on the sunny mountaintop and we go through times of walking through uh, dark valleys. Uh, but through it all, the Lord will deliver us and really Again, especially in these times in which we live when there's just truth is so hard to find. We are surrounded by lies and evil and deception. We do not have to be affected by it. We have the word of God. We need to abide in it. And we need to do it as the Lord leads us, as the Holy Spirit leads us. And get back to that simple, childlike, loving faith of simply walking with the Lord and uh, desiring and doing everything we can to shine with his light in the world. All right. God bless you guys. Thank you for being here today. We will be back next week. God willing, same time, same place. I forgot to uh, share the website information with you guys. So I'm going to do that. You can find us on the web by going to the way R122 org. You can subscribe to the podcast by going to christianpodcastcommunity.org, searching for The Way Radio in the search field. You can find us on Rumble at The Way R122. And if you could, please consider donating to the ministry. Uh, it enables me especially to be able to just donate, uh, to just uh, put more and more time into preparation, uh, especially with uh, the sermons each Sunday and then the podcast. The podcast is now over 17,000 downloads, uh, but it does take a lot of time and a lot of work and uh, donations help me to have more of that time available. So consider if you could donating to the ministry at the way, the letter R122.org. And it also helps us support um, the pastors and the friends that we have of the ministry in Kenya. All right. God bless you guys. We'll be back here again, like I said, next week. God willing, same time, same place. Take care.